Wow. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being such a nice congregation and putting up with me. The other guys, I understand you putting up. They're great, but me? Really? Okay. So, um, boy, a number of surprises this morning, right? I'm walking through the gym, and I thought, who got married when I wasn't looking? I thought maybe you rushed everything, you know? And, uh, but, yeah, you sneaky people. Okay. Um, that was cool. And the other thing that was kind of fun as we were worshiping, we had some good songs this morning, didn't we? And I was, have you ever had the Holy Spirit sneak up on you and ambush you? There's something about that name. I don't even like the song. I don't. It liked me today. I just started losing it. So thank you, worship team, and, uh, and everybody. Really cool. So we started with a song. We had a little trouble getting rolling because uh, people were filtering in. It was a lot of activity and all of that. I love thy kingdom, Lord. I love that song, actually. I know it's old, and it's a hymn, and it's got mold on it, and it's corny. I know. I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode, the church, our blessed Redeemer, saved with his own precious blood. That's us. It's not this building. It's not going to church and being religious. So, I love thy church, O God. Her walls before thee stand, dear as thee. Whew. See that song? I'm going to hold that again. Who, who picked that song? Ben, you're in trouble. All right. No, no, you just, you did good, you did good. Her walls before thee stand, dear, as the apple of thine eye, and graven on thy hand. Do you understand that picture? Even the, the, the priests in the Old Testament had the names of Israel graven on jewelry so that they would bear those names before God Almighty. Wow. Then for her my tears shall fall, for her my prayers ascend. To her my cares and toils be given till toils and cares shall end. I think the American church has fallen apart on this one. What do you think? Don't connect the dots that it's the church that God wants to bless and work through. And, uh, and uh, so many uh, people today, and I've, I've said I understand why there's whole categories of individuals called the duns. They're just done. I heard a story from a brother, I think he may be here today, but I'm like, I want you to tell that story some Sunday morning, how he was accosted in this building. And I'm like, no wonder people are done when we don't know how to act like real followers of Jesus, right? Beyond my highest joy, I prize her heavenly ways, her sweet communion solemn vows, her hymns of love and praise, sure as thy truth shall last. And here's the verse I wanted to share with you. Because this morning's message, if you um, are a bulletin reader uh, or you take notes, I hope you will, if you haven't already or haven't started, be sure, surety, and here's what it says, sure as thy truth shall last, and it will, friends, to Zion shall be given the brightest glories earth can yield and brighter bliss of heaven. 
Does everyone follow what that means? Zion is a picture of the church, right? It's the Old Testament. Zion was the city on the hill. Jerusalem, the capital of David's kingdom, which became the throne of God. And so it was representing his people. And uh, sure as truth shall last, to Zion shall be given the brightest glories earth can yield and brighter bliss of heaven. We're going to inherit all things in Christ. That's what the scripture says. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit today. And if you are here, as uh, Pastor Derek encouraged you, if you have not um, ever put your faith in Jesus, today's your opportunity. Uh, we're not forcing anybody, but today is as good a day as any. In fact, the scripture says today is the day of salvation. When the Spirit illumines our mind and we understand that salvation is a reality, that's the time to grab it and don't put it off. So what I'd like you to do with me today, uh, I haven't read through a passage of scripture for a while publicly. We've been stealing verses and putting them on the screens, and technology is wonderful. But if you're old like me, or even if you're almost as old as me, which because this week I get older again. Last week I was younger. This week I'm going to get older. I'm not sure how that works. But if you would take, there's something about having it in your hands, I don't know, for me. If you don't have a Bible with you, the black version in the pew in front of you, the chair in front of you, you can open it up to page 1198, 1198. It's the chapter from which we're reading. Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, this morning, I'm going to read an extended passage because you do understand, I'm trying to preach expositorily to some degree through the entire book of Hebrews. And at the rate we're going, it's going to be 2028 <laughs> by the time I'm done. So I want to get a little jump on it today and read a few more verses than just the two we read last week. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to allow you to remain seated, but follow along with me. Or just listen carefully if you don't have a Bible in your hands. We're going to start after that encouragement that is don't miss it, basically, is what the author has said. In verse 3 down to verse 10. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, the people who rebelled. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day, today, saying through David after so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. All of God's people said, Amen. yes. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, thanks be to God. 
So, I'm going to ask that you join me in prayer, because I need help today. And uh, I'm so encouraged by your um, pastor appreciation. I was not expecting anything, really. I wasn't. So, wow, free lunch, lots of fun. And we'll all get together and visit and have a fun time, and uh, God is good. And thank you for everybody that's making that happen. But I cannot be appreciated without preaching, because that's what I do. And uh, the thing that always comes to my mind, what was that? Pre- oh, okay. I almost thought of stopping, but... Dr. Ashley just encouraged me to preach. I love what it says in 1 John, the elder apostle in his old days writing in those little books says, nothing makes me happier, nothing gives me more joy than to see my children walking in truth. Boy, is that a mouthful, right? That's more fun than a celebration or gifts or any of those things. But uh, thank you for being kind. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you. Your Holy Spirit has been stirring at harmony. We sang a song this morning, I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it. We don't deserve the reckless love of God. And we don't deserve it not only as individuals, but as an assembly Lord, later this week, I'm going to be helping do an assessment like Harmony went through years back now for another assembly that is struggling. And uh, Lord, we acknowledge as congregations often, we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it. We understand that things get broken in the system and we wander away and we don't take our covenant blessing seriously or, or the opportunity to honor and glorify God. For her, the church, my tears shall fall. Lord, when I feel flat, I scratch my head and say, what is wrong with you, Hako? I think about the weight that lays on the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ for his people to be filled up with himself, for them to be set apart from the world, victorious over the enemy, victorious over their flesh, victorious against the world, and all of those who have yet to been brought into the kingdom through your church, because you don't send angels to preach the gospel. You send us. You send me. And we can go on record, and I can as well. I've failed too many times. We ask your purging. We ask for your forgiveness, and we thank you abundantly for your grace. Because in spite of our stumbling, as we pray this morning in worship time, you tolerate so much that we do wrong or miss. You don't love it, but you love us. And you've rescued us powerfully. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus what... I have heard prayed in the past that uh, I long to see in our people who come to faith that we would not only profess faith in Jesus and get saved, that we would be well saved, strongly, powerfully born from above, a new life that is brewing inside, wanting the person of Jesus to come popping out. 
Lord, help us with this. Help us today. Uh, give us clarity in our thinking. I acknowledge, God, I, I need your Holy Spirit to minister the word because I am not adequate, nor is any human. But your word, the very end of this chapter that we're studying today, tells us is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's living and powerful. It's able to sort out our corrupt motives. It's able to help turn the light on what has been blind in our minds. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, use your word for your glory. We bless you and worship you in the Son's name, who we worship this morning, gather around the table, giving you thanks, because with his very life, his very shed blood, he has redeemed us out of the world unto himself. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. You know, in church you're allowed to pray. I prayed a long time. Is that all right? It sure is. Oh, day of rest and gladness. Who's been around long enough to know that song? Wow, let's see. Not too many. Because can I, can, do you know that song? He's grinning. I don't know the song. I just knew it. And I picked this, and then I wondered if I picked the wrong title, but I didn't. But I'll tell you why as we work our way through. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 3 to 10, the passage, we want to highlight a little bit out of it. Communion this morning is a witness to the fact that we have personally lay, laid hold of the grace of God. You know, Jesus has rescued me. I'm in him, he's in me. That's the language of the scripture, that song we sang, in Christ alone. It's in him. The believer is in him. That is, he is completely accepted in the beloved. God sees his son and he sees all of his children in him. We're accepted for eternity. Communion is not a magical thing. It's not a magic pill. Uh, that I go to church to take communion so that, oh, maybe I'll make it into heaven if I keep that up. You know, I keep my accounts clean, like keeping your laundry clean, you know. No, communion is an outward manifestation of something that's already happened inward. Same thing with baptism. Baptism, communion, the two uh, commandments of Jesus for his church, they're witnesses of being personal participants in the faith that rescues us. So it's by faith that we gain eternal life, right? And Pastor Derek this morning, uh, in that wonderful accent, thank you for pointing out that my accent is not spiritual. Um, I did say it, it's on me. Uh, he mentioned that not only is it eternal life there, that we get bennies now. We get benefits out of it now. That's why Christianity is so much fun. I don't know how people get bored as Christians. Maybe they missed it. We have the opportunity to lay hold of the grace of God. And this morning what I want to do is just reaffirm some exegesis. What does this book tell us? In fact, it tells us I'm actually a little nervous. I was nervous about preaching this. You know why? Because it's talking about being sure that you're going to make it to heaven. Boy, if we don't talk about that in a Christian church, what should we be talking about? But I thought, surely they're going to say, not again, Pastor John. Remember the song, Tell Them Over Again to Me, Wonderful Words of Life, right? 
Even though we have it, I want to hear it again. But we should lay hold of the grace of God, and that's what this is all about. And so I want to be sure that I tell you what the passage is saying, and then I'm going to take some liberty. Is it okay if I take a little liberty? It is okay. But let me, let me explain what I mean. You have to be careful when you study Scripture that you know this is what God is saying in this passage. That's one thing. But then, maybe you've noticed once in a while the Holy Spirit takes some word of Scripture and drills you with some other concept or idea. And I have always looked at one of the verses in this chapter a certain way, and I have to submit to God because he's true, that the primary context of this entire chapter is be sure of heaven. If you're a fill-in person, be sure of heaven is your first fill-in. That you can, in fact, be sure of heaven. Guess what I found on my shelf? A book that has said, A Sure Guide to Heaven. I found it after I picked Old Re- Day of Rest and Gladness. So that's why I said, I wonder if I picked the wrong title. Well, I didn't. And there's a connection. A sure guide to heaven. Our Puritan forefathers back in the 1600s had real insights into the Christian life. You know, doesn't it make sense? People have been following the Holy Spirit and pledging their allegiance to Jesus for 2,000 years. Wouldn't it make sense that some people got some answers over all that time? That some people would have learned a few things that we can benefit from? And yes, it is absolutely true. So first, be sure of heaven. Be sure to make it to heaven. My friends today, there is, in fact, an afterlife. We don't like to talk about it. It's culturally um, poo-poo, you know, not a good thing to talk about. Unless it's in a general, at every funeral, well, they're in a better place. I hope so. How do you know? On what basis is that true? Be sure to make it there. The real me, the real you, will continue. And it is true, according to the word of God, that there is a place of eternal comfort and joy. Eternal enjoyment. Anybody remember the uh, uh, Westminster Confession, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and... And if you're a Piper fan, anybody a Piper fan? Anybody read anything about it? You can only take like one book a decade probably. But anyway, you know, if you're a Piper fan, he says, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. That's the way I, I've always seen Christianity that way. I'm, I will, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a great adventure. It really is. And it's not for preachers only. Those of you who are looking at me go, well, you're a preacher. God has to bless you in special ways. And then there's me. No, it's for all of us. It's an adventure for us, right? There is a place eternal full of enjoying God. Did you know that the quotes that come out today, if you will not harden your heart, all of the, you know where it's coming from? I, I, this was a long time ago when we started Hebrews. I mentioned it. Psalm 95. Psalm 95 says, don't harden your heart as you did at Meribah when all that complaining and I had to judge you and yuck, 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 all of that. Do you know how the beginning of that psalm is? 
Let's sing joyfully unto our rock. It's the one that says, um, we are the sheep of his pasture. It's talking about, we didn't make ourselves. He made us. We're his creation. And we need to be in fellowship with him. Oh, by the way, don't be like those characters. I almost said turkey. That's not appropriate. Those guys that were with the children of Israel in the wilderness, saw the miracles and went, eh, not so much. And never made it. Don't be like them. Make sure you make it. Let's look at this verse out of the passage we read today. For if Joshua had given them rest, the promised land was a picture of rest. He would not have spoken of another day after that. What is that? Who's he? That's God speaking later in the Psalms. That's way after the time of Joshua. Speaking of today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart so you can enter rest. So it can't be talking about Canaan. It can't be talking about Palestine, the place they inherited. That happened. All of that was simply a picture of what was to come. Therefore, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Another kind of rest. Not a physical place, but a spiritual place. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. I want to just park on that opening. Joshua had not given them the ultimate rest. It was a picture. In fact, I'll read from that great German Lutheran scholar, Richard Lenski, I like his uh, exposition of Hebrews. It's outstanding. In their case, the promise of God's rest was by no means only the earthly Canaan, but also the heavenly Canaan. God was speaking to them in the Old Testament about both of these, of which the land flowing with milk and honey was only the type. Okay, that's a technical word, friends. A type is something that God, it's a real thing that happens in history. Those of you who want a definition, you want to write stuff down. I'm looking for the scholars. Okay. I don't know what your grades are going to be. But anyway, a type is something that God ordains in history. It's a real event, a real thing. So it's not make-believe. But it's a picture of something bigger. A picture of something more glorious. A picture, perhaps, of something eternal. Can I give you a classic illustration of it? Because in my personal devotions, I'm up to Solomon. What a kingdom. What wealth. Under Solomon's reign, silver was... <sighs> you know, the stock exchange didn't even pay attention to silver. Irrelevant. If it was either gold, platinum, uranium, maybe. I don't know if they had that back then, but... It, Something of that, it, it was splendiferous. All of the workers he had, all of the, the soldiers that he had, all the magnificent buildings that he everything was off the charts. Those of you who know the story, the Queen of Sheba came to check it out because she couldn't believe it. She said, it's got to be PR. It's got to be Madison Avenue jive hype, you know. No way. And it tells her, it's a great line. She comes and visits with him and questions him. And when she's done, it tell, here's the, the word, it's so telling. Her spirit was gone. In other words, she, she was like, oh, I'm going to catch this guy, you know. And she starts talking to him and he just lays her out with all his wisdom. And she's like, whoa, I have nothing else to say. He's a picture. He's a type 
He's a real person in history, but he's a type of guess who. Thank you. One person got the answer. What's, he's a type of who? Jesus, the king. King Jesus, right? He's a picture of that. That's a type. So Canaan was a type, a picture of the ultimate promised land. Joshua couldn't give them that ultimate rest. That was yet to come. But there is, in fact, a time where we get out of all this struggle and mess. You in a hurry? <laughs> yes. Sometimes we are, right? Can't wait. <laughs> we do get out of the mess. Here's what the scripture tells us about heaven. The ultimate Canaan, the ultimate rest. I heard a voice from heaven saying, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Isn't that awesome? The Old Testament, I've used this at funerals. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints, right? Some of us have recently lost loved ones. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. This real person who will live forever is welcomed into the glory of eternity. It's real. <clears throat> Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. The true followers of Jesus have served him, and Jesus keeps very accurate records. And guess what? He does it without a computer. <laughs> Got it down pat. In fact, I have to confess, sometimes my wife and I have discussed, I wonder what's going to get played back in heaven. Because there's some sections of my life I really don't want played back in public. <laughs> Everybody's nervously laughing. Anyway, <laughs> there are other things that I've done that I'll be glad to see on the big screen. Anyway, they rest from their labors. Can I sidebar for just a second? I've said it at other times. When we rest in glory, it's not like people get it all wrong. Like the, um, the, uh, the, guy, yeah, the angel, the guy sitting on the cloud, he just got his wings and he's looking around going, he's wearing horn-rimmed glasses. This is a Gary Larson far side. And he's like, I should have brought a magazine, you know. <laughs> Somebody in this church, I think, borrowed one of my books called Hereafter by David Winter, a great book. If you have it, please return it because I'm going through withdrawals. But... Uh, one of the lines in that book about hereafter is people think of being in heaven forever singing praises like a wet weekend in Peoria, Illinois, you know. Sorry if you're from Peoria, my apologies, but he said it, not me. It's not like that. We're going to serve him forever, not just worship, but serving him. There are kingdoms and things to build if we get any impl implications from scripture. There's something profound ahead. We're in training now, learning how to manage it. Amen. Don't get too excited, sister. <laughs> how you serve him now is your training for the future. I don't have time to unpack that, but you get what I'm saying. We do get out of the mess. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Rest may include work, but have you ever done work that refreshes you? I, lo I love that line. I'm going to come back to it in a few minutes. Pastor uh, uh, Dennis Ashley, a few weeks back, was talking about 
the means of grace bringing refreshment to us. Sometimes serving is a means of grace that brings refreshment. I have spent time pouring into somebody. I see God meet with them, deliver them from a bondage. And I, I mean, I've literally seen. I remember one classic way back where a gal got freed up from uh, bulimia, released, transformed. She's a pastor's wife with lots of kids. And when I am in that experience, even though I'm working to help them, I get refreshed. So if God shows up, how do you don't get refreshed? Pretty hard. God, don't refresh me. You're in the room. Don't refresh me. That's hard. It's kind of like his thing to speak to us. You're all listening to me and thinking, this guy's fibbing to us. No, I'm not. I'm going to show you a line out of a book, which I recommend, by the way. Tim Keller wrote the book, uh, The Prodigal God. It's a great book should use it for some self-examination on occasion. One of the signs that you may not grasp the unique radical nature of the gospel is that you're so certain that you do. So certain that you do. I got this. I got it. I got the credit card. I got it all squared away. This is the primary intent over and over again in the book of Hebrews. Be sure of heaven. I remember talking with a man outside of funeral parlor years, years ago. He had lost his father, and, he, and um, we're talking again. This is another funeral he's at, and we got into the gospel a little bit, and I said, now, how, how, you, are you ready to pass through that door called death? Because it's guaranteed. Apart from Jesus coming back first, we're all going to walk through it. You better be, I want to say, dang sure that there's nothing after this life if you're not prepared. You better be really sure there's just nothing. You're just chemicals and poof, all over. Because if not, we really do live into that next world. How do you know you're going to make that sure place? Because it's just like you have good and bad in this world. Why do you think it's different in the next? So he said to me, well, when my father passed away, I was standing thinking about this and... I looked up and a shooting star went by and I went, oh, that's good. I know I'm okay. I'm not going to talk anymore about that conversation. Do you have a clear word today? I'm asking my believing brothers today. What is your assurance based on a shooting star? Or is there a clear word of prophecy that you've rested your soul on? There's going to be a couple I can share with you in just a minute. Pete thinks the point I'm making is that there is truth that is revealed that we know we can rely on. We maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. That's Romans how about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? Anybody like that one? Should have some wrapped up and memorized in your mind. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that anyone should boast. But it goes on and says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for... Oh, there's always a catch. No, it's completely free. I was talking to my, one of my neighbors here. Uh, oh, m maybe it was 
when we first moved in, I think. And um, we were talking about like plumbers and electricians and people you might need to help you as you're fixing some stuff in your house. And he says to me, well, one of these guys, you know, he's got the ichthus on his car and all, if you believe that stuff. And what he meant was some of the guys he's encountered with the ichthus and Jesus first and everything else on their bumper are cheats and crooks. And he was really straight up about it. And I went, yeah, I know, I apologize. My son worked for a company like that, almost derailed him. Uh, yeah, it's very sad. People think that our behavior is irrelevant. It's totally relevant. For your witness, not to save you, but for your witness and for what you're going to see as reward when you rest from your labors. Do you understand? Keep that separate. I need to know that I'm accepted in the beloved because of faith in Christ alone. If I accepted Christ and, and the beam, oh, let that thing spinning around. What's that called? A fan. My, I'm right on my game today, let me tell you. That thing falls down and kills me right here. If I just accepted Christ, do I get into kingdom? Yes. I don't have to earn it. The man on the cross didn't have time to get down off the cross, get baptized, do a good deed, cross a little old lady across the street. Couldn't do any of that. He was going out. Remember me this day, Jesus. He says, you'll be with me in paradise. Boy, it doesn't get any clearer than that, does it? You need to receive him. If you haven't done that, make the time to do it. But because I belong to Jesus, my next point on your little fill-in is ensure your faith. That is a word, by the way. It's not ensure, it's ensure. Ensure it by following the promptings of the Spirit to do things that glorify Him. Change your behaviors, kill sin in your life, do good deeds, serve, whatever it might be. Part of discipleship. Jesus talked about keeping His word, right? We're talking about obedience. Let me show you a verse here. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, this is Hebrews 4, 6, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of what? Oh, I thought it was lack of faith. Well, which is it? Was it disobedience or was it lack of faith? Lack of faith is translated unbelief. Are you adding it up? Anybody got a quarter in their pocket or a coin? Anybody got a coin? I never carry coins because I, I don't like, I, otherwise I like jingling stuff. And Hey, he's got one. You the man. Thank you, thank you. I'm here all week. Anyway, here's a quarter. This side says unbelief. This side says disobedience. Are you following what I'm saying? Same coin. Unbelief, disobedience. Here's how it's put in the book of John. He that believes in the Son has life. He that believes... It's not up there. I'm telling it to you. I see everybody looking up there. I'm over here. No. <laughs> Here's what it says in John, chapter 3. You all love this. You know, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. Okay, later on in the chapter, it says, same thing again. And then it says, he who obeys the son has life. 
He who disobeys the Son shall not see light. What? Now all of a sudden it's about obeying? Yes, because faith is an act of obedience. I obey. I respond to the gospel. I say, you're the boss. I'm not. I've been living this way. I realize I've been sinning. I've been ignoring God completely. I repent. I turn around. I'm going to follow Jesus. Is enough? Get it? Disobedience, unbelief. Disobedience, unbelief. Got it? I don't want to steal your quarter, and I couldn't even reach you. How pathetic was that? (laughs) Ensure your faith. They didn't enter in because of disobedience. If you read the rest of Hebrews, they even says it's unbelief. You see, they couldn't enter because of their unbelief. Unbelief brings disobedience. On the contrary, how does Jesus talk about his disciples this way? Where's the assurance verse? Oh, you're there. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him. I will disclose myself to him. I will bring him salvation benefits in the here and now. He will be with us in heaven, because why would the Father love me and not let me in? If I'm in him, I'm a follower, I obey. Simple? Simple. I think I've shared this a long time ago. We, We spent... Nine years pastoring in Tucson, Arizona. It's a desert. Deserts are dry. Hot. Once in a while, the monsoons come. Monsoons are all this moisture. Usually when they first come, they bring all the loose dirt on the surface up from Mexico and dump it all across Tucson and up. Oh, it's amazing. And then sometimes there are profound downpours that just go on. And uh, it's like a faucet almost. Comes on, maybe goes a half hour, turns off. And if there's enough of them, this dry gulch that everybody uses for, um, what, a dune buggy riding. That's what they use them for. All of a sudden have 20 feet of water gushing down the Santa Cruz Riverbed. So severe, one year that... They closed the bridges. You couldn't, I couldn't get to church. We couldn't have church because I couldn't go across the bridge because it was at risk. Huge logs, telephone poles, whatever, floating down, hitting the foundations of the bridges. Too dangerous. And we stood on the sides of some of the Santa Cruz River and watched whole houses have their foundation removed and then bam, down they went, heading toward Mexico. Profound desert flooding. Amazing. In the middle of the desert, that kind of destructive power. So I used to preach in the rescue mission there, and I used to simply say this. If I were to tell you tonight, the Santa Cruz is going to flood because there's storms over across the line in in Mexico, and it's going to get really ugly chances are this whole building will be underwater in about two hours. You're going to stay here and wait for the end of the service, right? It's as simple as that. If you believe, you get up and do something about it. It's as simple as that. I believe it, therefore I act. I respond. True faith brings a response of obedience. If I really believe it, otherwise I'm just making up stuff. 
That's why James, one of the books I memorized in my background, I love it. So practical, so rebuking, so convicting. I love hate it, actually. Someone may well say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without the works, big talker, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Because both are true. James is an exhorting book. It's not a theological deep book. It's an exhorting. So, act it out. To be avoided. Disobedience is to be avoided at all costs because it may indicate that I am disqualified. Like those guys that Hebrews is talking about. So guess what? I'm out of time. I will give you the answer so you're not mad at me. Of course, you might be mad at me anyway. But the last one that says, claim your... I made a boo-boo. It should say... Claim your sure promise, sure promise of rest. Because what I'm encouraging with that is as we obey God and walk in faith, he blesses us with rest in the here and now. We'll have to unpack that later, okay? If that's all right with you. The day of rest and gladness. How do I press into the means of grace so that I feel blessed in the here and now? That's what I want to talk about, but I don't have the time. You forgive me? Thank you. Because if you didn't, I'd have to talk to you about obeying because you need to forgive people. That's what the Bible says. (laughs) Can I just say this, though? I'm going to close with this. Claim your sure promise of heaven. God rested from his labors, and there's a way in which we rest from our labors. That was my liberty, that... Rest from your labors, trying to earn your salvation, trying to strain under legalism that people have dumped on you, all their little stupid rules that have nothing to do with the Bible. There's so much freedom. We'll talk about that sometime, but I'm going to say this. I've been in ministry for, I've been in full-time ministry for 44 years this year. Graduated in 76, and that's when I started full-time. You want to know what wearies and makes you want to quit as a pastor and just say, I've had enough? Want to know what it is? More than anything else. More than church buildings with no air conditioning. More than not getting a limo and a driver like one of our sisters said I should have. (laughs) You want to know what wears me out and makes me say, I just want to give it up? It's arguing with Christians. Christians. Arguing with Christians, trying to get them to stop sinning and obey what is clearly revealed in Scripture. Arguing with them because their hearts are so stubborn and hard. That's what wears out pastors, to be honest. Not non-believers who turn me down, get a lot of that. Not new baby Christians who get off track, got some of that. It's a person who thinks they know and they've got, oh, yeah, I'm good, I'm studying, but no, pastor, shut up. I'm right. Doing this scandalous, unbiblical thing, I'm okay, leave me alone. Wears me out. Don't be disobedient because it's a reflection of unbelief. It may be a disqualifier for you. Reject it. You know, there's a little trick word in the scripture. Repent. Cancels out your whole debt. Start fresh. Doesn't that sound great? 
Everybody said? Amen. Let's stand together. If you're off track, you've been arguing with uh, an invisible pastor called the Holy Spirit, time to change it. You can repent. If you've never trusted Christ, he's giving you a free gift if you want it. It's up to you. We're up here. Some elders will be here. Staff, if you want to talk and pray with someone, we'll take just a few minutes, and then I know we'll have to go inside, and unfortunately, we'll have to have a good time together. Let's pray together. God Almighty, we bless you and worship you today. You're the great God, the creator of heaven and earth and of all that is. You're our maker, not we ourselves. We're the sheep of your pasture. And Lord, we thank you for life eternal. And we thank you for the other part that Jesus gave us. The benefits that come with eternal rest is benefits in the here and now. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Lord, I want everyone under the sound of my voice to have that abundant life. Bless us, we pray. Help us in the great name of Jesus, Holy Spirit. Don't stop striving with us. We praise you in your great name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. See you on there, if not up here.